The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program. WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, WLHS, the Lakota Local School District, or staff and management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as specific legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on WMKV, WLHS, and the Maple Knoll Radio Network. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon. I am Vena Jones-Cox, and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing, where this week, as every week, we're putting you on the path to financial independence by bringing you the best information and inspiration we can find from all over the country to help you start or grow your own real estate investing career. And today, we're back to the very hot topic of short-term rentals, but we're going to talk about them from a little bit of a different point of view because, I don't know, I talk to people every day all over the country who tell me that they're super interested in exploring that strategy, but they're hesitant to go out and buy a property not knowing if it's going to end up working as an Airbnb or if it's going to be, if Airbnb is something that they're going to end up liking or uh, being able to manage with their full-time jobs. And um, y'all know there's, there's, there's an in-between between I'm interested, but I'm not going to do anything about it. And I'm interested and I'm going to dive in with $300,000 worth of cash and financing and buy a property and furnish it and then see how I like it. It's commonly called Airbnb arbitrage. And it has to do with the strategy of using other people's properties to set up your own Airbnb. And this is, of course, not a topic that I am qualified to speak on myself, having never done it. But luckily, I meet people. And I met today's guest at a real estate meetup in Tampa, Florida, where he was talking about his 25 years of real estate experience and all the different things that he has done during that time from, gosh, doing repositioning projects on properties to development to finance to asset management but that what he's doing right now is a build out of a short-term rental portfolio down there in Florida. His name is Jason Matthews. He was born and raised in LA, started his college basketball career. For those of you who are <laughs> basketball fans, he was at the University of Pittsburgh from 87-91 and was the sixth all-time leading scorer in the Big East Conference. Woohoo. Oh, okay. So Jason, I don't even know what that means, but I can tell you the <laughs> the engineer is impressed. He's like nodding and, "Oh, yeah. I want to meet this guy now." But that's not what we're here to talk about. 
We're here to talk about this interesting strategy that you are implementing down there in the Tampa area, and I would like to welcome you to Real Life Real Estate. Thank you very much for having me. Very excited to be on the show. And I'm excited to have you because um, one of the interesting things about you is that you're doing this thing and you're being super successful about it. And I know, I know you're you're like you seem to have like the heart of a mentor. I hear you. I hear you at Cincinnati RIA meetings, giving people advice and tell them, you know, call you and you'll help them out and all that sort of stuff. But you're not that guy who's going to pitch a seminar at the end of this because you're actually just doing it. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to pitch a seminar. I've always been um, an, an action-oriented person in the industry, and um, my wife and I have had some phenomenal mentors um, that guided us, showed us, taught us, threw us in the fire, and uh, whenever I have an opportunity to share the knowledge that we have with others, you know, we've always been that way. So that's that's kind of the path that we walk um, in our lives and, and also in real estate. Well, that's awesome because you're about to get shared, share with like a five-figure number of people right now. So... Let's let's do that. And and can we can we start with just getting a feel for the Tampa Airbnb market? I mean, you know, a lot of us visit Tampa on vacation. We may have stayed in Airbnbs, but I have no clue what's happening down there if you're an operator of Airbnbs. Sure. No, that's a great question. Uh, Tampa is a very, very interesting market because people don't realize that in Tampa, we don't have enough hotel rooms, but Tampa does a phenomenal job of bringing in a lot of great events and conventions and things of that nature, and therefore, you know, people need a place to stay. So actually, there's an organization that provides information on short-term rentals and things of that nature, and they actually have uh, Tampa ranked as the number one market for short-term rentals because of obviously location, but also, you know, we don't have enough hotel rooms. Like Orlando has a ton of hotel rooms. You know, Miami has a ton of hotel rooms. But Tampa is still building hotel rooms, and more and more visitors are coming, staying longer, and need a nice place to stay. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the reasons why we're super focused on the uh, Tampa short-term rental market. Mm -hmm. Didn't they have some big sporting event there, I don't know, five, (laughs) six months ago? I remember seeing something about that on TV all day on a Sunday. Yeah, yeah, that was was quite interesting. The the average daily rates for... uh, for that weekend, we're, we're pretty attractive. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll say that it was it was very very attractive, and probably booked out months and months and months and months and months in advance. Yes, yes, it it was it was even though it was limited due to COVID, um, it still was exciting, and there still was a lot of outdoor you know outdoor events and things of that nature. So it was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Well, I know a lot of us who are in the real estate world go down there a lot. I'm I'm headed down there next week, in fact, because it seems that Tampa has also attracted some of the like top creative real estate minds in the country mm-hmm. to uh, live there. And so there, there seems to be a lot of real estate events down there as well. So, yep, going down there next week and staying in an Airbnb. I should give you the address so you can tell me if it's one of yours. Um, so... One of your many strategies that you you uh, have implemented during your time in the real estate business and that are you're very um, 
kind of devoted right now to building out this project is what I have heard called Airbnb arbitrage, which means mm-hmm. you're actually renting properties from other people. These are not your houses or apartments. They're other people's. And then you, in turn, turn them into short-term rentals. And, of course, you keep the gap between the rent you're paying, the expenses that come with owning an Airbnb, and what you're able to collect. So, I mean, I think the first obvious question is, why? Wouldn't you rather just own these places? Well, the way that that uh, that I approached it is, you know, cash flow. You know, we're looking at what is the swiftest way to build cash flow. And I can lease 10 properties in a month. Buying 10 properties in a month is a different ballgame. I can still do it, but it's a lot less effort than if I go out and lease 10 properties in a month. And when you lease a property, um, you don't have property insurance like your owner and you don't have property taxes. So the deal can actually be, you know, more lucrative and the cash flow can be better uh, on a lease, you know, lease type deal. Mm-hmm. And so you're able just to build a lot faster. Um, and that's why the, the Airbnb arbitrage is so attractive and all your capital isn't put into a down payment on a few houses where you can take that same capital, you know, lease three, five or 10, you know, properties, put the furniture and decor in and, and, and get them up on the, you know, on the platforms and start receiving guests. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. So we're going to take a quick break during which we're going to invite listeners who have questions about this strategy to either give us a call at 877 877- Seven seven two nine six five eight. I'm going to say it again, listeners. I know it's a lot of sevens. Eight seven 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 two nine six five eight. Or if you're still at work, if you're, you know, someplace where you can't really talk on the phone, you can also send your questions via email to askvina at gmail dot com. That's a s k v like in Victor e n a at gmail dot com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today, Jason Matthews, who's building an Airbnb portfolio in Tampa that is not made up of houses that he owns. I I can't get over the fact that, I'm I'm sorry, I'm still thinking about that traffic report. Like half the lanes and on all the highways in Cincinnati are blocked up and you didn't tell them that the, the inside secret there, which is it's the cicadas. The cicadas are blocking three lanes of I-75 and two of I-71. Sorry about that. Um, so, Jason, uh, I, I think we've got to start with just like, how does this work? The, I'm, so I have rental properties. And if you if I happen to have one in Tampa and you approached me with this idea that you were going to um, do an Airbnb, I would have questions. Sure. And sure you would. I guess my first question is, are you going to tell me that's what you're doing? Like, is it when you come to me, do you start out with, here's what I want to do? Absolutely. Absolutely. Up front, be candid, open, and honest with the property owner uh, to let them know exactly what your intent is. Mm-hmm. And what would you tell me? So if I said, well, uh, I don't know, like, what's in it for me? 
Like, how does this, how does this benefit me over just putting a family in there? Like I always have, what are you going to tell me? Sure. There's two, there's two options. So some of the owners that I've leased from are in my real estate investment group and others have their homes listed for rent. And we have a lease acquisition team that takes a look at homes that are listed for rent and in the neighborhoods and zip codes and the bed and bath counts that we're looking for. Uh, we have an introductory um, email that our team sends out to the owner or the listing or the leasing agent introducing ourselves. And I think the instant credibility comes with uh, when we started out, we started with seven properties that we owned that were put on the Airbnb platform. So when we approach the property owners, they can see what we've already done. They can go and look at our listings. They can see how they're decorated. They can see how they're they're being booked. And I think that little bit of credibility helped us. But also let them know we're willing to pay you the market rent that you're asking for. Mm-hmm. Uh, we will clean the house two to four times a month. Uh, we have. Oh wait, I'm know, sold. I'm sold. <laughs> You're gonna clean the house two to four yeah. times a month. You, yes. You, you yes. can have any property I want. I have. Yes. <laughs> and and also, you know, we take care of handyman repairs that can turn into contractor repairs. Um, you know, things go unchecked. You know, tenant doesn't tell you what's going on. All of a sudden, it's six months, nine months, twelve months, and now you have a you know a bigger issue with the property. And we, we know we give them the information on the third-party property management, hospitality property management companies we use so they can see, you know, how they handle it, how they manage and things of that nature. And, you know, sometimes people don't understand and sometimes people do. Uh, I always say that I'm in the education business, not the convincing business. And fortunately, we have enough property owners that were comfortable and um, they love they love it. I mean, there's no they get no phone calls. There's no tenant calling them asking them to fix a toilet or cut the lawn or do whatever. We handle you know we handle all that, and so they get peace of mind and they get their their Zelle payment or ACH payment you know every month and and they're happy. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Um, I have some more questions for you along those lines, but first we need to go to line one and talk to Jim, who's calling from Hamilton. Jim, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Hi, Rena. How are you? Good, Jim. How you doing? Well, fine. I have a question for you. Okay, well, um, I live in Hamilton, Ohio, because so I want to free up and try to be like, um, like a house supper. There's a bunch of places in Hamilton that um, our, our house, our real bad off houses, you know, they need to be fixed up and sold or rented out. They're great places, you know, very nice places to live. But the thing is, no one to see them don't buy it. They don't understand them why. Mm-hmm. Okay. Would that be a good idea? Uh, I think it'd be a good idea. It, 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 it could be. It could be. And, Jim, what do you have access to email? Yes, I do. You, yeah. you can send an email? I'd like you to send me an email at askvina at gmail.com. And give me, I, I, you know, I don't want to like have you do this over the air, but like give me, give me some ideas of some of the properties you're talking about and a little bit more about your background. And I can, I can personally answer the 
the question because you know Jason, who's the guest, he doesn't know Hamilton, Ohio, so uh, you know it might be it might be better if we if we corresponded about this via email, and I can help you out that way. Okay. Okay, sure. And if you want, I hear I know my telephone number to call. I think my telephone number too on her. Oh yeah, you ask a question now. Okay, um, maybe ask one question. Um, so there's a places on Hamilton that need to be fixed up. Say, but they could be a real nice place to fix them up. One place, one guy, he's the only place, but it's a, you know, he has over, over, over uh, 18 years. He had over 18 years and done anything to it. Just since he bought it, other may fix um, the leaking out roof and I got, but then he let him sort it all. And he don't want to want to sell it. I don't understand why. You know, he can make him a good man. I think you know, filming it. You know, could be. Like, yeah, I can, yeah. yeah, yeah, and if you again, if you want to send me some detail about that, I can try and walk you through it a little bit. But um, repeat your, uh, repeat your um, email again. It's askvina at gmail dot com. Askvina, askvina, askvina at gmail dot com. Yep. Thank you very much. Thanks. Thanks, Thanks for your call, Jim. I appreciate it. Uh, and uh, folks, if you have a question, preferably about Airbnb arbitrage. Eight seven 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 two nine six five eight or askvina at gmail dot com is the way to ask it. Um, so, Jason, back to this idea of how, like just how does it work? Are there any special legal documents that you would put in place between yourself and the owner of the property, or any uh, special clauses that you use? Like, it, it's not just a standard residential lease, is it? No, we have uh, our real estate attorney prepared a pretty good lease for us. In the lease, we clearly disclose that we are, you know, going to operate the property as a short-term rental. Uh, one of the most important things that we have in our lease is called the frustration of purpose clause. And that basically means that if we are operating a property, it's doing well, uh, but then the city gets federal funds in, and there's a sewer line, you know, on this particular block that they want to replace, and it's going to take six months. Um, obviously, at that point, we would implement our frustration of purpose clause because our guest is not going to want to listen to bulldozers and backhoes, <laughs> you know, when they're trying to have either either a vacation or they have a special project they're working on for work where they need to get away and have peace of mind. So we would implement our frustration of purpose clause, which gives us um, 60 days to exit the property. And we call the moving company up to, to collect all of our belongings and deliver it to the next property that we have leased. So that frustration of purpose clause is very important. And we also have a uh, – it is a penalty. I'll call it a penalty that if the owner decides to sell the property – then they need to pay us three months worth of lease payments because um, that gives us enough time to go ahead and find another property. And then sometimes we're able to get a right of first refusal when a when a owner is looking to sell the property. Uh, sometimes they'll give us you know the first opportunity to buy it if they were going to sell it to someone else. Uh-huh. So those clauses are are very important, and we try to at least. Uh, procure at least a two-year uh, two-year lease, and uh, we pay market rent, and you know we try to stick to a security deposit of a thousand dollars, because I share with the owners, um, yes, your house may be in good condition for a long-term rental, but there are a few things that we need to do 
uh, to make it a hospitality level property. So that's why we only do a thousand dollar security deposit because we will do some painting. We will switch out some faucets. You know, we'll replace some ceiling fans, some light fixtures, you know, things of that nature um, to make the, the property look a little bit nicer. Okay. So you do get permission to make changes that you feel like need to be made to bring it up to the standards that folks who do short-term rentals expect. Yes, absolutely. The owner is aware that these uh, upgrades are being made, and we've not had one owner say, no, don't do that. Don't spend your own money on stuff you're going to leave behind. <laughs> so we haven't, we haven't had an owner tell us that yet. <laughs> <laughs> and and is there any special kind? Because really, I mean, it, and, uh, a short-term rental is – it's a business, you know, yes. and and the one that I stumbled into <laughs> unexpectedly that I now own half of, um, we have to carry a different kind of insurance than standard rental insurance. Do you mm-hmm. have do you have to carry that on these properties or does the owner carry it? Well, the owner, the owner, fortunately, uh, I would say probably the last. 14, 15 months, um, the insurance companies are finally coming out with a product that's not much more expensive than your typical homeowner insurance, um, where they're actually doing short-term rental policies hmm. for the owners. And then for companies like ours, we have you know your general liability and things of that nature. Our property management company has a million dollars worth of coverage, and then Airbnb, excuse me, Airbnb, VRBO, Home Away. Those folks have like a million per booking. So if the property was damaged by a guest and the guest doesn't pay, they have a claims process. So you're talking about three different entities with a million dollars worth of coverage each, and that's usually how the insurance situation stacks up. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so I was just glancing at the askvina.com account to see if anybody had any questions. And the very first one that popped up was from Janine who had the question about the insurance. So there you go, Janine. I was reading your mind all the way from (laughs) Maryland. I'm, I'm just, I just get more awesome every day. Um, We need to take another quick break. When we come back, we're going to go to the questions from Michelle and Lara and, some other ones in here, Deborah, and uh, then we will talk more about this very interesting way of maybe getting into Airbnbs without so, so much money and commitment. You can give us a call at 877-772-9658 or send an email, askvina at gmail.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox, talking today to Jason Matthews, a real life investor who is building a portfolio that, to be clear, it does include some actual properties he owns, but also accelerating all of that by leasing other people's properties with proper paperwork in place. You all heard that, right? Because I got a question here from Lara saying, is there a template agreement we could get somewhere for that master lease? And Jason, I, 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 I don't even have to ask you about that. You're going to say, have your attorney put one together yeah. that meets Absolutely. your requirements. <laughs> don't try. And, and for your municipality as well. Mm-hmm. You have to know what the municipal laws are regarding short-term rentals. And uh, that's very, very important to know what what the requirements 
and restrictions and things of that nature are, and any real estate attorney in your area should know that. Mm-hmm. It, well, you say any real estate attorney. <laughs> Try to find somebody. I'm sorry. Who's... I'm sorry. Any qualified real estate attorney should know that. <laughs> I'm sorry. Thank you. Thank you for reminding me to provide the clarification. So, uh, Lara actually had another question, which is um, actually we've already answered it. it. Says, is there any difference between a standard lease and the master lease? You need to be able to. Gosh, I'm I'm hitting on all cylinders today. I'm asking people's questions before they even show up in my inbox today, and breaking myself, breaking my own arm, patting myself on the back about it. Okay, so Michelle says she's jumping forward to the furniture issue. Mm-hmm. It's always a big thing, right? Yeah. With with potential Airbnb yeah. is the furniture issue. She says, in in terms of furnishing your units, do you rent or buy? your furniture? That's a great question, Michelle. A number one, durability is extremely, extremely important. Any property manager, hospitality property manager we've talked to, they talk about durability. So there are a lot of things that look really nice, but may not be durable. When we first started out, because we had seven properties, we leased after we start making money and revenue and things of that nature, then we begin to replace the lease furniture with furniture we actually purchased. And we were, again, we were starting out with seven properties. So that would be a lot of capital to fund the start of seven properties. So we leased um, a lot of the furniture, the decor items we actually purchased ourselves. Um, and then we slowly but surely um, exited, you know, out of the uh, the uh, leasing leasing platforms and the rentist. I'm sorry, the the leasing stores, furniture leasing stores, and things of that nature. We were able to move away from them. Mm-hmm. I suspect there's a point where there becomes economy of scale. Because, do you know how many people I know who have entire garages and basements full of Airbnb furniture because they started one and decided they didn't like it or, you know, they sold it or whatever and they pulled all the furniture out and now it's just taking up space in their house. They don't have another one to move it into. And at some point, I think you probably said, you know, we always have another one to move it into. May as well buy it. Yeah. I mean, people put stuff on, you know, social media. There's a lot of obviously apps out there now where people put furniture on there and pictures of the furniture and things of that nature. So some of our you know, property managers, they're like, hey, <laughs> we buy furniture like that sometimes. We're always, they have a staff that's always looking. And when they see a good piece or a good set or something that fits, you know, the brand and the feel and the look, then uh, they go ahead and negotiate it hmm. and uh, tell tell their, uh, you know, their clientele, you know, individuals like my wife and I. And, you know, we, we definitely have bought that way before. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Michelle, second question was, are there any platforms that you use besides Airbnb? So talking for listeners who might be curious about what that means, there's different places where customers go to find short-term rentals, and one of them's Airbnb. And the question is, do you use any of the other ones? Sure, sure. We we require our, our hospitality property managers to at least list our properties on three different platforms at, at the very least. So in the in the Tampa market, 
Airbnb dominates like 73 or 74 percent of the bookings, and then the rest go to VRBO and HomeAway, and there's some other smaller ones. But we at least require them to list our properties uh, on a minimum of three of the different platforms. Okay. Let's go to the phones and talk to Jason, who's calling on line one from Louisville. Or did I say that right, Jason, or is it Louisville? Louisville. 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 Okay, Louisville. He's calling from Louisville. Hey, Jason, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Hey, Vina, I had a question for Jason about zoning. Uh, the properties that you're using, are you mostly trying to rent commercial or residential? Uh, residential. The bulk of our portfolio is uh, is residential. So we have a lot of single-family homes, and we do a minimum of a three-bedroom, two-bath, minimum 1,200 square feet is kind of our criteria. If we see a property in a really good location and it's 1,100 square feet, you know, we'll we'll do it. Um, and then when it comes to apartments, uh, you have the two and 300-unit apartment complexes. And, and, and part of their strategy is to have anywhere from 5 to 10% of their unit as corporate rentals. Um, so a lot of the apartment complexes, they're, they're part of their leasing strategy is to have some corporate rentals, some short-term rentals. Um, so we've had some success there as well. Okay. Awesome. Thank you. All right. Thank You're you. You're welcome. Thanks for your question. Thank you for your call, Jason. Um, Roy from Wichita, Kansas says, can you go through the numbers you're looking for on a typical deal? Oh, absolutely. Great question. We look to net anywhere between 800 and $1,000 per month uh, on each property when we do our underwriting. That's where we look to be a minimum of 800 to 1000 a month. And that's after lease payment. That's after utilities. Um, and that's after, you know, we factor in um, roughly $200 a month for handyman expenses and $100 a month for lawn care. Mm-hmm. And obviously, if you're in the snow belt, then you have, you know, not just lawn care, you would have snow shoveling and things of that nature. Yeah, but not typically but in the same months. <laughs> hopefully, hey, <laughs> weather it, patterns, you know. Well, yeah, true. Be. April in Cincinnati, you could be shoveling snow one day and mowing your lawn the next yeah. or vice versa. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, it kind of evens out, you know, it's, we, we kind of figure $200 a month for that stuff too. And it just turns into something else from November through February. Yeah. That's true. And, and that 800,000 is also, I assume net of the management fee. Yes, it is net of the management fee. And what we've seen is the hospitality property managers charge anywhere from 15 to 25% in that range. Um, we we get a little bit better pricing because our portfolio, you know, we have several properties. Um, so if, you know, you have a property manager handling five or 10 or 12, you should be able to get price breaks. So what you what you are really building here is not so much a short-term rental business as just a cash flow business. It's a, it's a cash, absolutely a, a cash flow business. And it's a passive income business. And that's very important for my wife and I at this time of our lives is, you know, being full-time entrepreneurs for a long period of time. Um, Passive income is very important, uh, more so than active income at this point in time. 
and this is just a very efficient way and have been, has been a very efficient way for us to build that passive income and, and build that that cash flow. Um, we just got our property management statements, you know, over the last couple of days, and I'm very, very happy. <laughs> very happy. <laughs> well, that, that... Uh, and, you know, candidly, you know, I look at our calendars at night, and I wake up in the morning, and I look at them late morning, and people have booked. So we've we've made money in our sleep, literally. So <laughs> it's attractive. Yeah, and that's a that's a that's a very interesting distinction. And I just got it. I mean, I've talked to you about this, you know, three or four times just informally, and I just got this second that you're not in the real estate business because you don't you're not you don't own at least these arbitrage properties. You're not in the Airbnb business because you're not taking the annoying calls from people like me. No. <laughs> saying no, um that's not the, my personality the, to accept the, the water pressure in the in the cold water in the upstairs bathroom isn't all that I would like it to be you're not you're not taking that call nope. and you you what you're doing is you're finding the deal and you're setting it up and then it just kind of goes it without your yeah. further involvement Right. Uh, and we have a team and we have a team that finds the deals, Vina. Like we have a lease acquisition team. Um, I'm involved in obviously multiple real estate investment groups, so I always let let, you know, my fellow members know we're looking for properties. And um after I sign the lease, we have a team that takes over. Well, Jason, what do you do? Like it sounds like um, it sounds am, like you sit you, you know, sit there that's with a very you know what that is a phenomenal question. This is why it's a phenomenal question. For the twenty six years of being punched in the stomach and hitting hitting the head with the baseball back in, in the real estate industry, I'm actually a problem solver. So when something comes up, they let me know we need to figure this out, or we need a new technology, or we need a new process, a new system. Literally from experience, I can say, well. This happens in the past, and this is how we solved it, or this is what we did, or this is the type of company that we hired, and they helped us out. They did a great job. Um, that's a lot of what you know. What I do mm-hmm. is um, to look at the property, look at the neighborhood. Um, uh, something my wife does, which I think is great. She will go to the neighbor on the, neighbors on each side of the property. And provide them with our property manager's contact information, because we we don't want to be a nuisance in the neighborhood at all. So we want to be a good you know a good neighbor, and we want you know good people that know how to behave come in to book our you know book our properties. So I'm more on the strategy side um, nowadays. Um, I look at every ten properties we add. I look at what other tools we need what other support we need to make sure that we're building our infrastructure strong enough so our platform can take on another 10 properties. So that's what I really spend my time on is making sure we're building it and scaling it correctly and adding the tools, adding the technology, adding team members um, to make sure that our foundation is strong as we, you know, add every 10 properties. So you do the things that every real estate entrepreneur gives lip service to and pretends that they do, but really they're also the chief cook and bottle washer. You're actually the CEO of the company. Yeah. I have to, you know, a lot of pressure in the household. I have two daughters, have a wife, 
you know. You slaps a lot of pressure, a lot of pressure to get it right, you know. Uh, you know, they 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 want to maintain their lifestyle, so I, I got to make sure that we uh, are moving forward appropriately. Interesting. And Roy had one other question, and this is an interesting one too. He says. Um, how did he learn to do this? Did he figure it out on his own or did he take a course? I love it. I love the question. I love, I really love the question. Someone asked me the same question earlier today. A good friend of mine um, that worked for a major league baseball team in the city I lived in previously, he actually moved down here and was working with major league baseball. And he told, told me, you know, when you come down here, focus on, short-term rentals, vacation rentals, instead of flipping houses, you will do very, very well. So before we moved, I really started studying it and looking at it and learning about it. And literally, I was sitting, it was a Friday night, I was literally scrolling through one of the social media apps, and an ad popped up saying, uh, learn how to build an Airbnb portfolio without owning the property. And I looked at it. I was up till two thirty, three o'clock in the morning, studying the arbitrage model, and I could not believe what I was reading and what I was listening to. And then the very next day, we started going out hunting for leases. Mm. That yeah. Monday, mon- that Monday, I met with our real estate attorney. She had did the lease over the weekend, and we had our lease. And our lease acquisition team was in full full throttle at the time and we start procuring leases i could i couldn't believe it i read i said are you kidding me you don't have to own the property and that's literally what happened one of the gurus came across my um timeline so saw the information took the action yeah this should be an x-factor investor video we do we do these videos or videos yeah because right here in the station we've got cameras not we should we should have done an X Factor Investor show with you because we do these shows every month or so where we just talk to people about like what made you successful and you just described in about the last five minutes everything that all the really successful investors say. You know, I I took action. I try and focus on the part that I'm really good at and let other people do all the rest of the stuff. I'm all about you know maximum maximum effect for minimum of my getting too far into the weeds. Good stuff. We need to take one more break. And we've got some more questions sitting in the inbox. So um, if you have one that you want to get in at the very last minute here, you're just going to have to send it to asbina.com, asbina.gmail.com, excuse me, and we'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox, talking today to Jason Matthews, who's in the Tampa area, but is a member of Cincinnati RIA, as are a lot of people from all over the country these days. And Jason, this is such good stuff. I'm going to book you to do a whole Cincinnati RIA meeting to so that sure. you can have like slides and to. pictures yeah. and, you know, we'll have, to, we'll have to talk about that after the show because I think people are going to want to like hear what you have to say without me interrupting you all the time. So um, the question that I'm going to go back to that one because I don't, I'm not quite absorbing it. So I'm going to read it while you're answering this one. Um, this is from Gar 
He says, I have a property that I want to Airbnb. I'm anxious about staging. So in other words, furniture and decor, you keep calling it. Mm -hmm. And also about advertising it. Please give suggestions on this topic. I have a split level home and one part is completely separate from the main house with a Florida room and private interest. It's an entrance. It's a nice residential area. Does it matter that it's not in the heart of downtown? Great question. This is actually one of the first things that I talk about. And you can pretty much book weekends to any solid neighborhood. You can get weekends. But in order to get bookings Sunday through Thursday, you really want to be around what I refer to as an unlimited amenity. I'm going to say that again. You want to be near what I refer to as an unlimited amenity. So I'll give you a few examples. In West Tampa, we have the airport. The airport is open 24-7, 365 days out of the year. So you're going to get business travelers. You're going to get other people. So you want to be near the airport. Also, we have the Raymond James Football Stadium where there was that particular uh, that little game. game we had. <laughs> And the football stadium, um, there's not just football, there's concerts, there's college football, there's pro football, there's monster truck, there's WWE, there, we just had the sense that we just had a music festival. So there's a lot of activity going on around that football stadium. Then you have five hospitals. So we just had a hospital being renovated. So you have construction workers. We just had another $500 million development being built in West Tampa, so we had a lot of construction workers. So in West Tampa, you have a football stadium, you have an airport, you have hospitals, and you have development going on. And I believe our airport is under like a 10-year construction. It's just building all the time. And construction workers, we love having them. Because they leave at 6 a.m. in the morning. They come back at 7.30, 8 o'clock at night. They've already had dinner. And then if something breaks, they don't even tell you. They just fix it. (laughs) (laughs) So we love our construction workers. Um, We also love families that may have a loved one in the hospital that's having a procedure or surgery or something. And they're going to be close to their loved one. So they'll book for a week or two, you know, at a time. And then they'll even extend sometimes. So you want to be around that unlimited amenity. Um, obviously, the beach is obvious. So the beach properties we have near the beaches, you know, that's obvious. But I'll give you another example. So if I'm in Columbus, Ohio, or if I'm in Louisville, Kentucky, I want to be near the universities. Hmm. Why? Because parents come in to check on their kids. Because you have football weekends, you have basketball weekends, you have track and field events. These universities have stuff going on all the time. So you do want to be close to universities if you can. On the eastern side of Tampa, I'll give you another example. On the eastern side of Tampa, you have Busch Gardens Amusement Park. You have a major university. And you have a major casino. So the properties we, we own and lease on the eastern side that's the draw. So the casino is operating 24-7, 365. The university is operating 
24-7-365, and the amusement park operates 365 days a week. So that's what I mean by you want to be near an unlimited amenity that operates 24-7-365 so you can get those Sunday to Thursday bookings, get those days booked on your calendar. How would you advise him about his anxiety about the furniture and decor? Because I got to tell you, I would never, I would never buy or or lease a property to Airbnb and then pick that stuff out myself because it would look well, like a fun house. That is an area where I'm not very talented. I turn that over to the ladies in my household, and they have a team that they work with on design and decor. I did not get that skill set through my genetics, um, so I let I let our team take care of that. They find a good balance between durability and comfort and and the uh, eye test. Um, I've heard people spending thirty thousand dollars to thirty thousand dollars on a house, which I we've never done. Um, I've heard people try to use you know, refurbished furniture, which may not go well. Um, I would say you want to be somewhere right in between. And keep in mind, we already discussed the element of leasing to get started like we did. Like we actually got started with seven properties, so we leased first. And then from our profits, we got out of the leases as quickly as we could. And the good thing about leasing is a lot of the leasing places will let you switch you know switch furniture out so if you thought a certain design was going to go well and your reviews are saying like the the house is nice but the design wasn't you have the flexibility to swap those pieces out but um i've seen you know people spend between 20, 10 and thirty thousand dollars on a 1500 square foot you know three bath two bathroom house um Eventually, when you build your portfolio, you want to be able to bypass retail. You want to be able to bypass wholesale and be able to go, be able to go direct to the furniture manufacturers once your portfolio is large enough. And that'll bring the prices down so you can get a $30,000 furniture package for much less. So, Gar, it sounds like either find find somebody who's good at design or, you know, Airbnb managers do that, too. They'll, they'll tell mm-hmm. you what to buy. They'll tell you how to set it yes. up. Okay, so Jason, unfortunately, we are completely out of time, and we still have other questions sitting in the inbox. I still had other questions I want to ask you. We are definitely doing a RIA meeting later in the year, so you find a place on your calendar where we can Absolutely. do that. Absolutely. <laughs> I've, I've really enjoyed this. Thank you so much for having me on. I, I love talking about it. You know, great questions. Um fun. I love it. I really enjoy it. Yes. Thank you, Jason. And thank you, the listeners who made this conversation so much more interesting than I would have made it on my own. We'll be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing. Happy investing.